Chapter 1 Introduction The Merciful God Psalm 136, verse 6 O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercies endureth forever. I will be discussing about three points which this reference of the Bible above is revealing unto us. Giving thanks unto the Lord. Giving thanks to Jehovah Lord, our God the Almighty, is worth doing. Many people usually give thanks mainly for what God has done already, but have we made it an attitude to give Him thanks because of what He is capable of doing and because of who He is? Our God is an awesome God who reigns on high, the God of heaven and the earth. He is powerful, glorious, and excellent in all His ways. He has never lost any battle and will never lose any battle. His dominion is from eternity past, before the world began. He still reigns now when the world is, and would still continue to reign through eternity. Nevertheless, he is also dangerous and terrible in his ways, that is, his vengeance cannot be waited for and should be avoided, and he is a marvelous God. No one could really describe how great he is, but yet he still rules in the affairs of his creations, ready to have a cordial relationship with us. Even though we are unstable in our ways, yet he still chooses to commune with us. Wow! And that makes the Bible to introduce the next phrase. For he is good. The goodness of God cannot be compared to anything that may be termed good by man. Christ himself was even telling the people with him that no one in human flesh could conclude on what a perfect goodness is. That is, there will always be a setback in human capacity toward a perfect goodness. But in God only can a man be good. John 15, 5 then how according to the portion of the Bible is he good? His mercies endureth forever. Mercy, this is God's nature. It is compassion, forbearance, and forgiving, having pity, a grace beyond measure, a love, a care, and a blessing. As we have examined so little in the personality of God, how do you think he should relate with man? Job 7.17 What is man that thou shouldest magnify him, and that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him, and that thou shouldest visit him every morning, and try him every moment? Does he have to grant him free will, that is man making choice for himself and indulging himself regardless of the will of his Creator? Does he have to set his affections toward them by caring for them? Did he have to send Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, that he might die for him? Does he have to reveal his mind unto him? And does he have to give him thousands of chances and wait for him to repent? Now if man is supposed to possess the personality of God, how will he relate with other living things inferior to him? Will he endure their trespasses and transgressions? Will he make them make choices as they wish and still be patient for them to repent from their evil ways? 
Will he endure any foul and unbelief pronouncement on him by his inferiors? Indeed, God is so good to us, and his mercies endureth forever. However, since the beginning, according to Genesis 6.6, the Bible makes us to understand that man had reached the peak of his wickedness, to the extent that God repented that he had created man, and that should be thousands of years ago. Still up to this moment, the mercy of God wax stronger. He is capable to forgive man million times a day. And so as wicked man is, yet the mercy of the Lord never weakens. The degree of sin never rendered it impotent, and the transgression of man never reduces its strength. Once a man repents, every of his trespass shall be forgiven and forgotten, because of the patient of mercy never get wearied out. It became renewed every morning, and so it endures forever. Grace and Mercy Today, many Christians don't know the difference between grace and mercy. Even though my discussion is on mercy, but to know the relationship between the two, we will have to go a little into grace in comparison to mercy. It is made known that grace is basically getting what you don't deserve, of which what has best been used as an example is salvation giving us the power and privilege to become a child of God and to draw nearer unto Him, not again by sacrifice, but simply by the faith in the Son of God, Jesus, who died for our sins. And this also is the strength beyond our normal capacity, a strong, positive temperament, a talent, and simply a free gift of nature from the Most High God, the Creator of the heaven and earth. At the other hand, mercy is said to be not getting or escaping what one deserved, like most especially judgment. An example is that of a lady's testimony some years ago, of how she survived from failing a particular course subject at school. According to her story, when she saw the questions at first glance, she thought she was already a failure because she didn't know the answers to the questions at all. Eventually, she wrote something as to show an attempt towards the question, even though she wrote wrong answers. And to the examiner, after the submission of the papers, it was a total rubbish, and in furiousness, the examiner made two question marks on her paper as a sign of a total incorrect answer. But when it got to the person who would record the scores, the person thought she was seeing 77 instead of two question marks. And fortunately for her, the person who was recording the final score wrote 77 without examining the content. And that was how she passed through the exam. On a normal day, she deserved to be failed, but she was favored. Mercy. She didn't get what she deserved. In the book of Jonah, the Bible makes us to understand that the people of Nineveh deserved to be destroyed, but instead... God sent Jonah to them that they may repent so as to withdraw the judgment prepared for them. And in chapter 3.10, when God saw that they repented, he turned away his judgment. And in chapter 4.11, God concluded that they were ignorant, even though Nineveh was one of the enemies of his people. Israel in those days and every enemies of the people of God are also enemies to God, but yet God chose to have mercy on them. 
But mercy is actually more than escaping judgment one deserves. In other words, where strength could not prevail again, in total confusion and a hopeless state, where all what you have tried has failed and no one is there to help, and sometimes not that they don't want to, but they actually don't know how to, because it is beyond their understanding, and you dropped everything to let go. Then, miracle happens. This is when you don't understand how you manage to succeed exceedingly in your little endeavor as it may seem to you, or when you are the only one who is accepted among others, irrespective of others' personality that may serve as an advantage to them to be preferred over you. While grace is a gift from God, mercy stands to be the nature of God, showing compassion on those who he will show compassion. Irrespective of size or level, pasts, personality, aptitude, attitude, ability, and or capability. Grace is much active while we are still in this world, when we are not yet dead. But mercy goes as far as standing to plead before the judgment throne of God, after we are dead, that we might be brought back to life, that we might make amend or restitute where necessary. This too happens sometimes when the miracle of bringing the dead to life is been done by God through his servants. That is, where one rejects the grace of salvation through Christ Jesus over and over again, and died and then deserves to be condemned, and yet God still brings him back to life, that he might have yet another chance to forsake his ways. Then he is said to have obtained mercy. When we fall from grace, we get judgment. But when mercy intervenes, then judgment will be abolished. Grace can metamorphose or grow to become mercy. When grace has been said to be extravagant or exceeding or great, especially in the case of forgiveness of sins, then it can appear to be the work of mercy, as given in Ephesians 1, 6, 2, 4-6, talking about rich grace and glorious grace. That is why sometimes what we hear or experience that we see as grace could correlates with the work of mercy, and by that we thought they are the same. But however, they do work together as simple as when you don't get what you deserve, mercy which is the severe punishment fits for your sin, then you will actually get what you don't deserve, grace, a salvation and a pardon. When there is activation of mercy, then grace flows in like a river. And yet in summary of some differences between the two goes thus. By grace we receive salvation, by mercy we escape judgments. By grace we exceed in our endeavors, by mercy we exceed miraculously, even at the point where failure seems to be inevitable. By grace we withstand the temptations without falling, by mercy we are pardoned even if we fall into temptation. By grace we are given and make proper use of our talents and gifts for excellence, but by mercy we excel even without showcasing much of our talents. Grace expires. It has a time limit. The Bible doesn't say grace endureth forever, but even says in Romans 6 that grace has limitations. But mercy endures. It also makes extension of time. 
Grace makes us pray fervently without getting wearied, but only by mercy will God answer our prayers. While grace gives an exceeding, explainable enablement for a breakthrough, mercy makes happens a miracle, an unexplainable occurrence for a breakthrough.